The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here's your top five at five. Stocks are shifting into reverse after the Dow did something for the first time since April. Futures are lower. In China, growing unrest over ongoing COVID-19 lockdowns. Protesters taking to the streets to call for President Xi to step down. Very rare. We're live in Beijing ahead. Back home, shoppers out in full force, at least online, as Black Friday sales hit a new record. Plus, more fallout at Adidas over its now-severed partnership with Kanye West. Reports this morning some employees raised the red flag years ago. And later, riding the ship, what Disney CEO Bob Iger is set to tell staff at an all-hands meeting today. It is Monday, November 28th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange here on CNBC. Good morning. I'm Seema Modi and for Brian Sullivan. And let's take a look at how stocks are faring because we have just hit session lows in pre-market trade with the Dow. Indicated lower by 239 points, Nasdaq off by 132, and the S&P 500 down by 38. Stocks are coming off, though, a winning shortened week all 11 S&P 500 sectors ending the week higher with utilities taking the top spot, surging more than 3 percent. Now, on Friday, the Dow closed at its highest level since April 21st. But it's actually the mid-caps seeing the biggest gains. The S&P 500, S&P 400 mid-caps up more than 5 percent this month outperforming the broader S&P 500's 4% gain. Among the biggest gainers, there's Lattice Semi, Sunrun, and in the retail space, Crocs and Gap, you'll see up over 30%. Let's get a check on bonds and where yields are faring at this hour. You'll see the 10-year yield, here we go, at 3.66%, so still well below 4%. In fact, yields are lower at this time. In energy, oil, though, some big moves there coming off its third straight week of losses, down almost 12 percent this month and down 3 percent at this hour on those growing concerns around China. Crude, uh, you'll see, as you see here, falling on the reports that we're getting overseas. In cryptocurrencies, uh, let's take a look at what's happening with Bitcoin and Ether. Bitcoin is at, down about 2 percent at 16,181 and Ether down a similar amount. Let's get a check on the overnight action in Asia and early trade in Europe. For that, we send it over to Jumana Bursacci in our London newsroom. And Jumana, uh, seems like red arrows across the screen there. That's exactly it, Seema. A lot of focus overnight on those demonstrations that have been happening in China against the zero COVID policy. And that has set the tone for global markets, not just Asian markets. You can see behind me, it is a sea of red. The Shanghai Composite down three quarters of a percentage point. We did open up weaker. So by the end of the session, we've recuperated some of the losses. Hang Seng, you can see down 1.6 percentage points. At one point, it was down four and a half percentage points. Some of the big tech names there coming under pressure, the likes of JD.com. Tencent, 
Alibaba all coming under selling focus today. And then the red spillage has uh, obviously knock-on effects on other countries in the region as well. Japan also down about four-tenths of a percentage point as we continue to focus on the weakness of the yen. Now, over here in Europe, the theme is very similar as well. A lot of red on the screen. We've got the FTSE 100 down two-thirds of a percentage point. Some of the miners and energy names. Basically, any company that has commodities exposure is coming under selling pressure today. Zetra DAX in Germany down one percentage point. It tends to be an index that's quite exposed to China to begin with. Also noteworthy today that Volkswagen came out and said that some of the production in one of their Chinese factories has been disrupted due to the flare-up of COVID. So again, this is a theme that is coming up again. Cacarant in France down one percentage points. And there you want to watch, watch out for some of the luxury names, the likes of Hermes, LVMH, of course. All of them, again, have a lot of exposure to China as well. So today is definitely a risk-off session because of what we're seeing happening in mainland China today. CML. All eyes on China, Jamana. And on that note, to our top story this morning, unrest erupting in cities across China amid countries over-increasing uh, COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions. In an unusual show defiance, some demonstrators openly calling for the ousting of President Xi Jinping. Our Eunice Yoon joins us from Beijing on on just how uh, unique it is to see, how rare it is to see these type of protests, Eunice. It is very rare to see them in so many different cities, Asima. Uh, the security is extra tight today, both here in Beijing as well as in Shanghai, after uh, these uh, protests uh, really showed um, a, a very strong uh, sense of defiance among the people here, arguably the most uh, resistance that we've seen uh, since the uh, crackdown on Tiananmen Square in 1989. Um, those protests were being held uh, not only here in Beijing, but also uh, Shanghai, Guangzhou, uh, Nanjing, as well as um, Chengdu and other cities. And the focus of this public anger uh, was mainly directed at the COVID controls, though it, there were indications that people were angry about other things as well. In fact, people were holding up, up white paper, which uh, they were saying is a protest against censorship. Uh, also, uh, there were, as you had said, uh, some calling for President Xi Jinping in Shanghai uh, to resign. Now, the leadership here has signaled that, for the most part, it is sticking by its zero-COVID policy, though it's um, willing to uh, uh, curb some of the most excessive uh, measures. Uh, the state media has been running several editorials uh, today, as well as yesterday, saying that zero-COVID is, quote, science-based and effective, uh, that um, they've also been warning local officials against what they've described as excessive COVID layers. Now, just for some context, uh, putting the blame on local officials um, is uh, quite a, a common attack that, that we see among Beijing's leadership uh, when they want to uh, protectively, um, you know, protect themselves. Um, but what's different this time with Beijing trying to move ahead with zero COVID but with a, what they would describe as a precise approach, is the wild card of the virus, whether or not these more relaxed tactics can actually control it. So there are three scenarios that people are looking at. The best case scenario is that China goes ahead with this slightly more relaxed policy, but that the COVID numbers kind of stay around where they are, or they don't move up very fast. In that case, Beijing could muddle through and actually make it. However, uh, Sima, there are two other scenarios, one where the COVID cases jump and then Beijing is shut down and sends a message across the country uh, for all those protesters to silence them. 
or that the COVID cases jump and that um, the uh, government is not able to keep control and then we're faced with a public health crisis here in China. When do we expect uh, the leadership in China, Yunus, to decide which option that, they, that they'll take ultimately? It's really, really difficult to know. Um, I mean, at this point, we do think that Beijing, as it's already kind of been indicating, is going to stick with this kind of middle road approach and hope that it works. Uh, but the big question is whether or not the um, local people are going to really be okay with it. Um, we really don't know. Um, there's been a lot of negotiation on the ground on a local level, um, but uh, the, the, there's been a, definitely a lot of um, anger um, towards these COVID controls. And I think what's worrisome for a lot of the, um, the Beijing leadership is that they could spread. For example, in some places they've been saying they want freedom from the COVID controls, but they also say that they want freedom of expression. They want freedom of the press. Some have even been saying that they want freedom to play video games. I mean, it sounds frivolous, but at the same time, it kind of gives you a sense of how intrusive the government is in people's lives and how frustrated people are becoming. And then the leadership, if they don't kind of keep a lid on that, you know, it really, they, it's really up to it's anyone's guess as to, you know, where that actually can lead for them. Yeah. And in the meantime, stocks, bonds are responding. Chinese stocks, the major ones that are also dual listed here in the U.S., down significantly at this hour. Uh, Yunus, appreciate your reporting. Yunus Yun in Beijing on the ongoing protests that are rocking global markets at this hour. Let's now get to some of the other top corporate stories. Bertha Coombs is here with that. Uh, good morning, Bertha. Hey, good morning, Seema. Another Black Friday in the books, and the numbers are in, and they're record. According to Adobe, consumers spent $9.1 billion shopping online this past Friday. It's up more than 2% compared to last year. And among the hottest items, electronics, toys, and exercise equipment, Adobe also says buy now, pay later payments increased by nearly 80% compared to the prior week. According to the Wall Street Journal, meantime, Adidas CEO Casper Rorsted and other senior executives discussed as far back as four years ago the risks of an ongoing business relationship with Kanye West, now known as Ye, one they feared could blow up at any moment. According to the report, a 2018 presentation to the company's executive board highlighted the risks of working with West and detailed mitigation strategies should the company need to cut ties with the rapper, who now goes by yay legally. Adidas executives, however, reportedly balked at the concerns and instead continued to work with him, which raked in some $2 billion a year for the company. And Disney CEO Bob Iger is holding a town hall with employees today at 12 p.m. Eastern. In a memo to staff, Iger says he will discuss the future of the company and answer questions about what lies ahead. The all-hands meeting comes just one week after he was reinstated as CEO, replacing Bob Chapek, who lasted less than two years in the job. A lot of folks probably very anxious to hear what he has to say, Seema. Yeah, and he's wasting no time. Bertha, thank you. We'll see you soon. Bertha Coombs. And when we come back, getting set for a busy week for the markets, Fernwood's Kate Faddis is here with her take on where things stand and two stocks she says could make you some money. Plus, much more on the unrest sweeping across China and what it could mean for investors. Worldwide Exchange is back after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? 
Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. The world looks mighty good to me. You're watching Worldwide Exchange, and that iconic ad debuted back in 1976 and ran for more than 20 years. But my next guest says it's still relevant today for not just you, but her clients as well. Kate Fattis, Senior Portfolio Manager at Fernwood Investments. Kate, good morning. And tell us why you think investors should own Tootsie Roll. I was just looking at its price-to-earnings ratio, by the way, 42 times forward earnings. I guess that's because a lot of people saw it as a potential acquisition target, but it, it never got sold. It hasn't gotten sold, and it could still get sold. Remember, the CEO, I believe, is over 90, and people are watching to see what happens at that point. But, you know, yes, Tootsie Roll sells candy. They manufacture and sell candy. They have a number of brands. Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Pops, Charms, Dots, Junior Mints, Andes, uh, lots of other brands. So it's not just the Tootsie Roll. How would you? million dollar market. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting trade. It's one we don't talk about too often. Interesting company, I should say. How would you gauge the consumer? All sorts of data over the weekend that suggests, yes, the consumer was looking for deals, but they certainly did buy. Yes, I would say that the consumer has been stronger than expected. If you Target reported, Walmart, they all sort of seemed to think there was going to be a weak holiday season. But so far, we have not seen that. Now, the numbers are confusing between in-store traffic and what's happening with Cyber Monday, people shopping online. But in general, I think better than expected. Your other pick here is John Sanfilippo. So is the idea that over time you're expecting uh, that the lower-end consumer will do well? That's why you should be positioned with these type of stocks, Tootsie Roll and now Sanfilippo? That's right. Lower-end consumer is going to do better. If you look, these products are sold at places like Walmart, Dollar Tree, so Target, Food, clothing, and shelter. This, this, is a, this is the kind of economy we're in right now. The lower-end consumer is doing better. Okay, JBSS is another one we really like. They sell nuts. Fisher. Peanuts. Uh, different types of nuts. But in this type of an economy, we think they're going to do well. Also, when people are walking away from tech stocks, FTX, <laughs> crypto, here is something, a basic company you can buy, they make money, they grow, they generate free cash flow. By the way, only down 3% this year, uh, trading at 17 times earnings. We think this is a good one to hold. 
Lastly, the broader market, Kate, uh, we're at session lows here in the pre-market trade on, on what we're seeing on China, protests erupting in different cities. Uh, how do you see the story panning out? You know, China has always been opaque, so it's hard to know exactly what's going on. It, the, the, they do a very good job of letting us know what they want us to know and keeping away what they don't want us to know. So it's hard to know. But in a general sense, I think the overall market we're in a trading range. Despite everything that has happened so far this year, we're only down 15 or 16% a year. I think the market could actually get stronger through January, and then all bets are off. Okay, you're bullish with five weeks left in the year. Kate, always a pleasure. Thank you. Kate Vadis. And coming up on the show here, Congress, we're turning to work today, and there's a long list of to-do items that could impact your investments. We've got a live report from the nation's capital when Worldwide Exchange returns. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Let's get a check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera in New York with the latest. Seema, good morning. A herring rescue in Maryland after a small plane crashed into a high-voltage power tower in Montgomery County. The pilot and passenger were taken to local trauma centers with serious injuries that fire officials say did not appear life-threatening. The plane was suspended about 100 feet in the air for several hours as crews worked to safely remove them from the aircraft. Residents of the fourth largest city in the country are being warned to boil their water. Houston issuing a boil water notice to roughly 2.2 million people. A power outage Sunday caused pressure to drop to unsafe levels at a water purification plant. All schools are closed in the district today. The mayor says they believe the water is safe, but regulations require a boil notice while samples are tested. Riots broke out in the Belgian capital, Brussels, after a surprise 2 to nil loss to Morocco at the World Cup. Dozens of rioters swarmed the streets, torching cars and setting fire to other objects. Police used water cannons and tear gas to disperse the crowds. Belgium is still in the tournament. They play again on Thursday. Seema, those are your headlines for Monday. We send it back to you. Francis, thank you. To Washington and Congress returning from its Thanksgiving re- recess today, House and Senate Democrats hoping to check off a long to-do list before Republicans take control of the House in January. NBC's Bree Jackson joining us now from Washington. Bree, on what, what's on the agenda? Well, there's a lot on the agenda. Good morning, Seema. With only a handful of working days left before the new Congress begins, Democrats say they are trying to get as much done as possible while they still have control of both chambers. With a new era of divided government coming in January, there's an aggressive push for President Biden and Democrats to get through their lame duck session legislative to-do list. I'm going to try to get rid of assault weapons. After recent mass shootings at a Virginia Walmart and a Colorado gay nightclub, there are renewed calls for Congress to pass tighter gun laws. This is a choice to allow this to continue to happen. The laws that we're talking about passing, red flag laws, assault weapons bans, they're 
wildly popular. Republicans again argue that mental health, not weapons, is the problem. I think there's overwhelming bipartisan support Mm -hmm. to fund uh, better mental health uh, programs and try to increase communication between uh, law enforcement agencies and, and social services groups to try to better identify these troubled people before they commit crimes. As the clock winds down on Democrats' control of Congress, the party is also looking to take action on election laws and protect voting rights. We need to look at the John R. Lewis Voting Rights Act. I'm not going to get off of that. Lawmakers are on track to codify federal protections for same-sex marriage. Marriage equality is now on the march towards final passage. Thank goodness. Also on the list of unfinished business, keeping the government funded past December 16th and preventing a government shutdown. And also on the to-do list for Senate Democrats this lame duck session, confirming more of President Biden's judicial nominees. Seema. Bree, thank you. Coming up, unrest erupting in cities across China amid the country's latest round of COVID lockdowns and restrictions. We'll bring you pictures from the ground and talk about what this all means for global companies doing business there next. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify or other podcast apps. We will be right back. Futures under pressure after another winning week on Wall Street. Investors bracing for a number of key economic data points this week, including the November job supports. Unrest growing across China as demonstrators push back against COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions. Some even calling for President Xi Jinping to step down. And historic inflation doing very little to dent consumer appetite when it comes to Black Friday online shopping. The record-breaking numbers and sector winners ahead. It is Monday, November 28th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back. I'm Seema Modi in for Brian Sullivan. A pleasure to join you today. Kicking off this half hour with a look at U.S. stock futures just off session lows with the Dow indicated lower by 192 points. When we started the show, we were down 230. Safe haven trade this morning. That seems to be a big, a big focus with the Japanese yen higher. We haven't seen this type of move in quite some time, right? Because the big focus this year has been the depreciation in the Japanese currency down about 20 percent this year. But you can see slightly higher by one percent in the bond market. Yields have been moving lower last time we checked. And that seems to be the story right now with a 10 year yield now at three point six six percent. In the oil market, some significant moves in the energy complex on those growing concerns around what is happening in China. WTI crude at $74, down about 2.7 percent. Brent crude, which is the international gauge for oil, down nearly 3 percent at $81. Uh, and nat gas, you'll see, uh, down significantly by nearly 6 percent. To these mornings, to this top stories that we are seeing this morning, let's get to Bertha Coombs, who's back with those. Bertha, good morning. Hey, good morning, Seema. Chevron getting the green light from the U.S. to start pumping oil in Venezuela again. The decision comes after Venezuela's president and opposition, an opposition coalition, agreed to a $3 billion humanitarian relief program and promised to work on efforts to hold free and fair elections. In political news, Donald Trump making headlines after having dinner at Mar-a-Lago last week with Kanye West, now known as Ye, and white nationalist Nick Fuentes. Trump has tried to distance himself from the resulting controversy, saying he didn't know Ye was bringing Fuentes as his guest.
And Amazon is closing some of its operations in India. It will exit meal deliveries and a service that provides bulk deliveries of packaged goods to small businesses. The decision comes amid CEO Andy Jassy's global cost-cutting campaign. So that cost-cutting not just happening here stateside, Seema. Yeah, and you would think with China slowing down that, that India was supposed to be the, the market that some of these tech companies look to. But uh, I guess at this point, when cost-cutting comes in focus, you've got to look everywhere. Exactly. All right, Bertha, thank you. Bertha Coombs. And back to this morning's top story, an unrest erupting in cities across China overnight amid that country's ever-increasing and seemingly never-ending COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions. In an unusual show of defiance, some demonstrators openly calling for the ousting of President Xi Jinping. More now from Sky News Beijing correspondent Helen Ann Smith, who's on the ground in Shanghai. As night fell in Shanghai, they gathered in their hundreds. Ordinary, angry people facing up to the authorities. They stood largely in silence. Words can be dangerous here. But there was a power in them being withheld. Their presence alone spoke volumes. The roads are completely blocked here by police, blocking the way to where protesters gathered last night. But that hasn't stopped hundreds of other people gathering here, holding up signs, white pieces of paper that's becoming a real symbol of the protests here. It's hard to express just how incredibly unusual these scenes are in China. The catalyst for this rage is a fire on the other side of this vast country. COVID rules allegedly trapped those inside. Ten lost their lives. The final straw, it seems, for many in a zero-COVID pressure cooker. Among the crowd, we met this group of young friends, brimming with passion and incredibly brave. People spontaneously applauded her for speaking and chanted, Free the people. There's a sense that people are really angry. Is that is that right? Um, people are really upset. Um, it's not really like we are angry because it's our countries. Um. Our interview was suddenly cut short by this. Police charging, arresting, everyone who could ran. Gradually, police pushed the crowds back and back, but they did not disperse. A heavy-handed crackdown could well come next. The authorities have much to concern them. Protests like this are playing out across multiple cities. Chance for the ruling party to fall genuinely unheard of. Some came with flowers they could not lay and a clear message. 
然后昨天呃群众集会之后有人被捕，所以我们今天来是想声援他们，就是希望他们放人。嗯、呃，然后同时另外就是表达对当下不合理防疫政策的一个抗议。And do you have hope that you're going to achieve some of the change that you want? 没有，我我不期待。Scenes like this might be expected elsewhere, but they are not in China. Everyone here is taking huge risks, and it is extraordinary. But nearly three years of COVID restrictions are wearing. The party will be watching, but so too is the world. Helen Ann Smith, Sky News in Shanghai. Our thanks to Sky News, Ellen Ann Smith. Joining me now is Rewardick McNeil, managing director and senior policy analyst at Longview Global. He's also a CBC contributor. And Rewardick,、uh, what, knowing what we know about China, to see this type of civil disobedience on the ground—it's—it's it's really historic, right? Good morning, Seema. Look, watching this this weekend, you know, as much as I've watched China over the last、uh, several years, this was jarring for me、uh, to watch such such courage,、uh, such passion. And such frustration with the policy,、uh, Sima, that seems to have no end. There's been no statements about how or when the country will exit this zero、uh, COVID policy. And clearly,、uh, you've seen this weekend where the people have reached、uh, their their limits. Unfortunately, I don't know how、uh, she and the party state removes themselves from this corner that they have painted themselves in. Uh, there's no way to really stop this surge through this particular policy, but there seems to be no indication that they're going to move away from it in the near term. There was some indication, right, that they cut some of the travel bans.、Uh, airlines that had individuals who had tested positive for COVID, they could still land, they could still disembark in China. There were some indications, I guess, over the last two weeks that they were starting to move away from that economically disruptive zero COVID policy. But then you look over the last couple of weeks, over the last week, and suggest that suggests that perhaps China isn't backing down. So there's sort of this flip flop in its policy, and investors are trying to make sense of it. Well, I think you have two things going on. You have rhetoric, and that 20-point plan that you referenced, that was released on November the 11th, did do some things to try and and alter and make it a, a COVID、uh, zero light policy. But that still wasn't a signal that they were moving away from this policy. And as you suggest, the minute that there were a little bit of opening in the policy, we saw a surge or a spike. The surge is coming. Uh, and virus、uh, numbers, and so they went back to these、uh, sporadic lockdowns. Look, I don't think、uh, that this is going to really do what they wanted to do with respect to fighting the virus. But again, I don't know what the alternative here is because there will be a surge, and China's health system isn't prepared to handle this surge. And instead of spending all the time on all of the、uh, PSR tests, people are wondering. Why not spend that time on trying to get the the population vaccinated?、Right. Why not open up China's borders and allow in Western vaccines to help fight this? But none of that seems to be uh, the case uh, from the central government at the moment. Similar to other COVID waves that we watched here in the United States and other countries, at some point COVID cases will peak.、Um, in the meantime, you know the response from Wall Street strategists. I was covering this last week from Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, all of them, Dwardwick, raising their outlook on China. Did did they get it wrong? I think they were way ahead of their skis here. I understand、mm-hmm. what people want to see happen, but、uh, hope is is not a strategy. Certainly not. 
an investment thesis that I would uh, pin my uh, uh, money on. Look, I think there's a lot left here with respect to how COVID will play out in China, how the government will respond to these protests, and then what the international reaction to that response will be. And so for me, uh, I'm still fairly bearish on China as an investment prospect in the near term, middle and longer term. There's some questions, but I would suspect that companies in particular, separate from investors, should really start to deploy this China plus one strategy that people have been talking about. For a long time, we thought that was India, but we just heard in the previous reporting that that may be a challenge. But there has to be a way to really uh, readjust supply chain so that China is not the single point of failure. In the meantime, what type of messaging uh, should we expect from the Chinese leadership? I mean, these protests are not just aimed at relaxing COVID restrictions, but hearing some of these protesters actually uh, point their frustration to the leadership. Just curious how we could expect the leadership to respond, if at all. Yeah, I don't suspect we will hear much in terms of uh, the verbal response. I think that you will see that as these protests allow uh, to continue, there will be issue creep. And we're seeing some of that now, that it's, it's moving away from just COVID zero to calls for she to step down. Uh, that's dangerous. But, you know, at any point in time, the party wants to crack down on this in a big way. Uh, they can. And I suspect at some point they will. But it may not manifest itself as a pure physical crackdown. Over the, several, over the last several years, China has massed a number of tools, geolocation data, biometric data, ways to track their population, uh, social networking data. So there may be quieter ways that China goes about quashing this, uh, but it's not going to have the results that people are calling for with respect to Xi Jinping. Uh, China just doesn't work Mm. that way in terms of a grassroots overthrow of a leader. And Xi Jinping has vanquished all of his competition. So there's no one on the inside uh, that can answer this call from the streets. Yeah, just when we thought things were getting better. Seems like things have turned for the worse, at least for now. DeWardwick, thank you for lending your expertise. A pleasure. Thank you, Sydney. Coming up, forget gifts for family and friends. We're talking about the stocks that you need to buy or to have on your holiday shopping list this Cyber Monday. Wex is back after this. The countdown to Christmas is on with Black Friday shopping this weekend officially kicking off this year's holiday season. Shoppers spending a record $9 billion online, up over 2% year over year, according to Adobe Analytics Electronics, smart home items and toys among the biggest growth drivers despite more prominent signs of a budget-conscious consumer this year. Forecasts for Cyber Monday indicating a similar outcome, with analysts expecting what has historically been the year's biggest online shopping day to bring in more than $11.2 billion in sales today. For more on what to expect, let's bring in Scott Mushkin, founder and CEO of R5 Capital. And Scott, before we get to your your stock picks, just your take on these Black Friday numbers amid all these concerns around rising interest rates, the slowdown in the housing market, inflation. The American consumer is clearly still spending. It's amazing to see. I've always been doing this about three decades and I think never count the consumer out in the United States. It's uh, it's incredible. Their propensity to spend is uh, sometimes blows the mind. I mean, if you look at the the numbers, though, if they're going to continue the spending the way we're, we're seeing it, uh, we're going to probably put on some significant debt in some of the, you know for some consumers. I mean, as we looked at, and we put this out last night in our client letter. 
I mean, if you look at home heating oil in the Northeast, up 150%, natural gas up 60% in the last couple of years, food at home up over 20%. So the necessities in life are just skyrocketing. And this has an enormous impact on consumer households under $100,000. Yeah, amid- and so. I was just going to pick up on that last point. Amid higher spending, we also saw more consumers use that buy now, pay later function. Does that tell you that as much as people are spending, they're still looking for a way to 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 spend that money into uh, over time? I mean, does that tell you they're being more price conscious, I guess? Well, I mean, I think what it tells you is that they're stressed. And they're, they want to spend. Right. We, we see that. Um, you know, as much as there's been so much concern around the consumer, uh, real real expenditures are actually still rising. I actually had a pretty good clip, about two percent in the third quarter. So I think the consumers are digging, you know, digging deep, trying to figure out how they can afford those uh, those items under the Christmas tree. And uh, so if they have to go into debt right now to do it, that's what they're that's what we're seeing. I think the biggest question is, you know, how does it last? You know, do we see the momentum that we apparently saw Black Friday? We'll see about Cyber Monday. Do we see it last you know, through the holiday season or when that first heating bill comes and you're paying $1,400 to fill up an oil tank? Does that say, wait a second now, we, you know, we need to slow things down a little bit? Uh, you conducted a number of channel checks. You also provided photos of exactly what you saw across the Northeast. Right. So tell us, um, you know, where did you see the most foot traffic and what does that tell us about the best stock picks in retail? So I think the discounters, you know, is where we saw some some of the best traffic. Uh, TJX, TJ Maxx. Um, we also saw a lot of traffic at Walmart. Probably not a surprise there. Walmart reported strong results. The big surprise for us, though, honestly, was uh, Best Buy. Best Buy was very busy. Um, you know, they came out on their call and said their comps are trending down about 15, but thought the quarter itself would come in okay. Um, and of course, the stock has taken off. Um, I guess goes to your point before, though, like the consumer seems to want to spend. They seem to want to spend on electronics. Um, and, uh, you know, so we did see that. But I think overall, if you step back when the when the bell rings on the holiday, I think it's going to be the discounters that really do well. And I would particularly think I would think of Walmart. They've done an incredible job. It doesn't get talked about a lot with their merchandising. Um, you know, we have chaps in there and they're in, in their apparel. Uh, it, it really, given they sell so much consumables cheaply, uh, it doesn't really get talked about enough how that team is done and what a great job they've done on the merchandising side, you know, on the home goods, on the apparel. Yeah, I was covering the Apple iPhone uh, story on Friday that there's still so much demand for its products, yet delays for its most expensive models, the iPhone 14 Pro Max, because of what's happening in China. Just curious your read on which retailers have the most exposure to China amid growing protests and concerns about whether some of these factories can really get back um, to 100 percent in terms of productivity. Yeah, I think it's it's probably not a holiday issue, but I think it is an issue as we get into next year. Um, all these retailers import heavily from China, whether it be Target, Walmart, you know, even even a Costco. So you know, a lot of the electronic goods made over there. So what you'll see is if we get big, I mean, it's interesting what's going on over there. But if we get big lockdowns, we get factories closing. That's going to impact product availability over here next year. Uh, we've imported almost everything now. Um, but then it goes to the, the core inflation rate. Well, we see products go into short supply again. That's going to probably put the brakes a little bit on you know, prices coming in. So it's very interesting to watch. Um, pretty incredible, to tell you the truth. 
to see what's going on over there. Scott, I want to get your uh, your thoughts on on what's happening in the oil market and how that could uh, help the consumer right now. Crude has touched a nearly one year low. And as you know, energy has been the best performing sector because of the massive run up we've seen in oil and gas prices. Uh, but how could this impact the, the U.S. consumer, knowing that now gas prices have come down significantly from where we were at just four months ago? Yeah, I mean, we've written, written extensively on, on the consumer, what the Fed's doing. Um, our consulting arm has looked at, at it quite a bit, too, to try to advise our consulting clients. It is a real tough environment. Normally, when the yield curve gets this steep, um, when you see the Fed jacking up rates, it's almost guaranteed a recession is to follow. And we're kind of that's our call mid-2023. A lot of people feel that way. Um, but there's the other side of this, right? If we see gas prices coming down uh, quickly, we just talked about home heating oil, natural gas. If these pressures come off real quick, food at home, that could give you know the economy, you know the the you know the hope for soft landing. So it's going to be interesting to see how this breaks. But clearly, gas prices coming down is good for the consumer. We you know we saw that in August, sentiment picked up a little bit as we saw the first kind of break you know breakdown in uh, gas prices. So if we get some of these costs coming down for the households, it would be a good thing, and could you know could give credence to the soft landing type of scenario. Yeah, WTI crude breaking below 74. Scott, thank you for walking us through what happened over retail, across the retail landscape this weekend. Appreciate it. Great seeing you. Thank you. Coming up, U.S. stock futures are under pressure this morning. We will talk about the reasons and look for buying opportunities. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you missed Worldwide Exchange, we've got it all covered. Apple, Spotify, all the podcast apps. We'll be right back. If you just missed it, today's intraday low for WTI crude at this writing is $73.60 per barrel. According to FactSet, this is the lowest intraday level since December 27. So we're basically at a one-year low, nearly a one-year low for WTI crude on what's happening in China. Welcome back, though. You are watching Worldwide Exchange, and we've got a lot in store for this week, starting with FedSpeak from New York Fed President John Williams today. Tomorrow, we'll get earnings from HP Enterprise and Workday. On Wednesday, a slew of economic data. There's ADP and uh, employment, the JOLTS report, third quarter real GDP, and pending home sales. Fed Chair Jerome Powell also expected to speak at the Brookings Institution at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. And we'll get earnings from Salesforce and Box. On Thursday, we've got initial jobless claims, manufacturing PMI, ISM manufacturing, as well as earnings from Kroger, Ulta Beauty, and Dollar General. And on Friday, we've got the big job support. There we go, another job support. Let's get right into the new trading week, though, with a final check on markets here. Futures are indicated lower. The Dow has, is now down 212 points in pre-market trade. NASDAQ uh, now down triple digits by 112 points. Joining me now to discuss is Victoria Green, founding partner at G Squared Private Wealth. Victoria, always great to have you on. Your read on what's happening in China as an investor, and are you reevaluating what your uh, your picks in your portfolio, knowing that these protests seem to only be, be getting louder? Yeah, I think right now we're avoiding China still. I think there's too many wild cards. They're very hard to, to judge on the macro. I don't think it's going to change the COVID policy. I mean, China's government has been very focused on that. Uh, I know there's a little bit of, of upheaval between what the regional governments are doing and what the, the main Chinese government is going to say. I don't have a lot of hope of that recovering anytime soon. So right now, I think it's a little dangerous. You know, you see it weighing into Apple. I think they're going to be short about 6 million iPhone Plus units. This, this So if you're looking for an iPhone Plus, you might want to 
start chuffing early. So I think right now it's a little bit too much macro risk for us to, to be enticed into the Chinese markets. Beyond Apple, are there other names in large cap tech or do you think it's best to look elsewhere for opportunity with five weeks, four to five weeks left in this year? I think it's still early on, on large tech. We still think it's early for equity duration. We want things that are giving us cash flow now and profits now. So we're still sticking with our value defensive play. Right now, the bear market hasn't been invalidated yet. So this is a really nice uh, bottom. You know, we've up about 13% off the bottom here. But we've done this before. Over the summer, we were up 17% off of those June lows and then came crashing back down. So until we clear that 4150 hurdle, we're still in a downtrend, still making lower highs, which pushes you to lower lows. So so we're staying defensive. We like our energy, our healthcare, our financials, our staples. We're just really not chasing yet into big tech. We think it's still a little early. Very interested to see what Salesforce has to say to see if they can finally crack out of this downtrend they've been in. But I don't have a lot of hope yet. I love your note here. You say we like big old ugly cash cows. So names like IBM. What are some of the other names on your list? Right. We like IBM, JP Morgan. Gotta love Costco. Give a shout out to my people there. Uh, one of my favorite stocks to play in, in a difficult market. Uh, and then we still like some of our energy names, our Conoco, our Exxon, Chevron, just to prove to get some drilling done in Venezuela. I right. think that's going to take three to six months before that really hits. But look for companies that are paying dividends, have good balance sheets, and, and they have the ability to weather a slowdown. We don't want anybody that might struggle to raise capital or, or be a little stretched and that you're, you have future profits that you're investing. In. We want companies that are profitable now. And so it's boring, but I think right now is the best time to be boring. Channel your inner Warren Buffett, find a little bit of patience and don't chase and don't get FOMO. I think FOMO is one of the most dangerous things for investors right now because it's hard to sit on your hands in a little bit of a bear market rally, but it's a trap. Yeah, since October 12th, we've rallied significantly. And interesting to hear you say you like Chevron, even knowing the moves we're seeing in WTI crude and, and oil in general. Lastly, your take on the economic front, is inflation, is, has inflation peaked? And what we could get from the November job support as we try to better understand the health of the consumer? Uh, I think the jobs report should be decent. It's expected to decelerate. Deceleration is like the, the term of the fourth quarter, right? It's no longer pivot. It's going to be deceleration. I think Powell's going to walk it back and be a little bit hawkish this week. I think you're going to see tempering. The market's still expecting a five to five and a quarter terminal rate, but then to roll over in 2023. And I think the Fed is trying very hard to convince people, no, it's going to be higher for longer. So possibly peak inflation is in. Possibly we'll see unemployment start to slow and, and, and rise a little bit. But I think it's too early to expect a lot of help from the Fed. And if you look at the 10-year trading at 3.6 versus the Fed funds at 3.75, you've got a real disconnect in the bond market on what expectations are longer term. Do you have a top pick in retail, Victoria? I only ask because we did get some better than expected Black Friday sales. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how we're spending it and, and how consumers are actually going to spend their money. I think $9.12 billion is what I saw Adobe yep. say. MasterCard came out with good numbers. Uh, I think the consumer is actually relatively healthy, but I think they are being stressed. And remember, some of the spending is because of inflation. So if you bought a, a toy last year, this toy maybe cost you 15 to 20% more this year. So some of these spending numbers are being bumped up, not because consumers are spending more because they want to, but they're spending more because they have to to buy that basket of goods. Well said. Victoria, uh, love this conversation and love the energy. Victoria Green, Absolutely. have a great day. Dow is down 212 points. The yen is up by 1%. So we are tracking this market closely. That does it for us on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 